Hey everyone, I'm Mike Levy and you already know this is another Pink Bike podcast. It's also another one-on-one interview. This time I'm talking to Mike Casimer about his experience at the six-day Stone King Rally, an enduro stage race that starts in the high mountains of France before heading back into Italy, then back into France, and then back into Italy where they finish at the Mediterranean Sea in the town of Bordighera Caz. How do you say it? I don't actually know how you say it either, but it, it sounds like you did it perfectly. That was a great Bo- Italian accent. Yeah, Bo- Bordighera, Bo- France. Bordighera. I apologize yeah. to all the French people listening. <laughs> it's close to San Remo, uh, which it is all a lot adds up to, to Yeah, exactly. It all adds up to 24 stages, 262 kilometers of riding, 8,000 meters of pedal-powered climbing, 20,300 meters of what sure look like some rowdy descending to me. But I think the numbers are probably a vast oversimplification of this event because there's a hell of a lot more going on, which is why Kaz is here. Kaz, we're going to get into how the race went for you and the travel and the towns and the trails and your bike. But first, I want you to describe the Stone King in in just four or five words for everybody listening. Uh, It's hard as fuck. There we go. <laughs> yeah, and that I mean, that's exactly up. what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's real hard. I don't think I know that a lot of people wouldn't enjoy it. Um, I enjoyed it yeah. a lot. I really, I did have a great time. But it's also like super hard, and it's not like if you if you're going to go on this as a vacation, it's not a vacation. Like you're working. Like it's some like yeah. mountain bike work, but in the best way. If you're into suffering a bit. Yeah, you've you've done some big enduro races in the past. Like you've done the big Whistler one when it was huge and stuff like that. But those are just one day events. As far as toll on your body goes, I imagine this is like on a whole other level of soreness and tiredness and everything else. Yeah, I think it's like like fitness wise, I felt pretty good. But what really got me was the hike bikes. There's some really long hike bikes, and if I had like to be honest, oh. I didn't train a ton for this because I always tend to ride a lot. So it's like. It's You're not always hot. fit. You don't need to train. Yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of. Like, I do ride a lot, so and I do some pretty big days regularly. So I was like, I'll be fine. But as I was going into like the second hour of a hike a bike, I was like I probably should have practiced hike a biking. As silly as that seems, but it would have <laughs> helped. Like, because like my neck, like my neck muscles got super tight and sore, and like because you're pushing your bike for two hours up a hill. And usually, like at home, I don't wear a pack. Typically, I wear a hip pack, and so like I actually like my neck started getting real or like my shoulder neck muscles or whatever got really stiff and sore pretty early on just because of all the pushing the bike. So next year, maybe some pushups before I do the (laughs) Stone King again. (laughs) Kaz, why didn't you just pedal up instead of pushing? Come on. It's not possible. These are like up scree fields. Like, (laughs) and some parts were crazy because you'd like, you're so tired that you think you should be able to pedal. And then you get on and you're like, how can I not pedal this at home? I could pedal this, but then you can't, but then obviously then some like super fit, French woman would just like pedal by and you're like, oh, okay. But now yeah. I still keep pushing because it didn't change it. So. Yeah. Well, there, were, there was a lot of great riding, of course, and we're going to get into all of that stuff. But first, I want to start at the, the start. Uh, Kaz, I saw a photo of you and you were wearing some very short shorts and a questionable shirt and some sort of full face I've never seen you in before. What's going on? What happened? Yeah. Uh, well, all of my luggage got lost for a bunch of us that were flying from. So it ended up, we didn't all know that we were flying together, but there ended up being six people flying from Vancouver over to the race. So some people from BC were doing it and myself and Chris Mandel drove up from Bellingham to, uh, to hop on the plane. So we flew from Vancouver to Montreal and then the Montreal airport is horrible. And if anyone can avoid going there, I recommend it. It's just like a black hole of stuff. It's super disorganized. And so we get on the plane and one of the guys had an air tag on his bike bag and uh realized that the air tag wasn't moving oh, like it's just a good that's thing clever it's really clever and i was like i might start doing that in the future but it also for better or worse because it also lets you know as your baggage is being lost and there's nothing you can do you're just like oh it's not moving well <laughs> what do i do i just know like, do you want to stress or yeah. do you want to wonder <laughs> exactly so like we're flying there as so we get off the plane and as we get off the plane we're waiting forever and obviously the bags don't show up so no bike bag no luggage and then so we go to the baggage claim counter to, you know, to file a claim and say our stuff's not there. And there was probably 150 people at the counter because nobody's luggage showed oh. up. They just left like a whole entire tray of luggage somewhere in the, in the runway. Yeah. Like it never even made it on the yeah. plane. So, um, yeah, so that would have been, I guess, Saturday. So we're like, all right, whatever. And we had a day, we built in a kind of a buffer day before the race started. The race started on Monday. So we just went into town, went to the beach, hung out, just kind of 
chilled a little bit before we figured our, our bags would show up on the next flight, you know, no big deal. The next yep. day, no, no bags still. So like, oh, well, uh, we might have to start the race without our stuff. We'll figure something out. Oh. So still no stuff, but we were able to. No uh, bikes. No either. bikes. Yeah, no bikes either. So what were luckily, you more stressed about? No bikes or no gear? Kind of both. But we were talking about like, maybe we would just go buy some really crappy department store bikes and try to do the race, which <laughs> would have been funny, but we might have died. Like, I don't think that would have worked. <laughs> I, I also feel like that would be like sort of wasting this amazing experience in a way, you know, like yeah, you want to be on a bike that you could shred a bit. It would have been scary. So I'm glad that didn't happen. But luckily, uh, Seb Kemp from Santa Cruz was able to find some demo bikes from the Santa Cruz rental fleet in Morzine. And then yeah. um, someone drove them from Morzine to the start of the race. So we're able to secure rental bikes the first two days. Yeah. Um, so when I think of rental bikes, Kaz, I mean, we've all been to many ski resorts and we've seen rental bikes. They're these trash. Are not those. Yeah. These are not those. These are nice demo bikes. So like that wasn't as big of a deal. It was like, it was great to like, it was a bike that was totally fine. Really nice high end bike. So the, the bikes yeah. are stored, but we still had no gear. And when the race is starting the next day, so we had like, we probably only had a couple hours before we had to catch the shuttle that it was a four hour drive from the Nice airport to the, where the race starts north of there. So we had yeah. just a couple hours in Nice to find all the stuff that we would need to go until our baggage showed up. Um, <laughs> and I'm still under the impression that like my bags will show up eventually. So I'll just get some basics. Always the through. optimist. Yeah, I just figured, I mean, I've traveled a lot and usually stuff doesn't get lost forever. Like, yeah. yeah. So like, we go to this, we run around, we go to uh, what was the place? It's called like booty cycle. And it was like a, a bike shop. So I bought, um, I bought a multi-tool, I bought a pump, a tube. I was going to buy a spare tire, but all the tires they had were 2.6-inch tires. And I was like, that's not going to work. So if anybody needs e-bike, 2.6-inch tires, booty cycles got you covered. That's like all they sell is two sixes. And then <laughs> what else did I buy? Oh, I bought some plastic, uh, some flat pedals because I had, I flew with some 510 like casual shoes, just their like basic free riders, not their, it's, it's like a riding shoe, but it's more of just like your dirt jumper, just kind of like a casual comfy shoe. It's not really a... Yeah not what I would normally ride for like a long ride. So I had flat pedal shoes on. So I was like, well, I'll just buy some flat pedals and be okay. So I bought some Crank Brothers stamp plastic flat pedals thinking you, it'd be fine for a day you, or two. You, you had planned on clipping in though. I had planned on clipping in. Yes, I'd, I had even gotten some new clipless pedal shoes, you know, pretty recently. And I had some pedals and I had them all tuned up. Like everything was ready to go. So I was real proud of my packing job. But I'll talk about that later. But so, okay. <laughs> yeah, but so obviously none of that shows up. So like I'm at the bike shop. So anyways, I got the basics for as far as tools go. And then I bought the, um, bought these flat pedals. I'm like, they'll be fine. And then we go to decathlon, which have you been to decathlon? I know what a decathlon is. They're yeah. really good. Like, yeah. I, don't, I mean, if someone's <laughs> out there is probably, I don't know. It's kind of like, it's like REI, but cheaper and huge. like, huge yeah it was it was pretty big it had like a lot of stuff in there but then so i bought i had to buy a sleeping bag so i spent uh 12 euros on a sleeping bag oh, it the, turns, wait this was a camping event yeah yeah you have to camp but they have the oh, tents so you have tents set up for you and it has like a little sleeping pad in it but you have to bring your own sleeping bag okay okay yeah. um so yeah so i bought a sleeping bag for 12 euros i should have spent 20 euros but Yes. I was being cheap. I was like, oh, it's not going to be that cold at night. <laughs> it turns out it gets cold at night in the mountains. The first two nights, I definitely <laughs> I had some shivering. <laughs> you effectively bought a $12 sleeping bag from Walmart yeah. and then slept in it high up in the mountains. I did that, yeah. I, <laughs> this and I wondered great. why this, I was That cold. sounds like something I would do. <laughs> yeah. And then, so then I had to buy some, I bought some shorts. Uh, I think they were 18 euros. I splurged because they had a nice like beach print pattern on them. They're just like board shorts. Yeah. And then um, short I bought, too. I saw a photo. They're real short. They show off a lot of thigh. And I yeah. bought some underwear, two pairs of decathlon underwear because um, I, obviously I'm not going to wear a chamois. So um, <laughs> obviously. And then <laughs> huge rides. God forbid you wear a chamois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might have been better. And then I bought, oh, and I bought two like running running t-shirts, like, poly, like synthetic running t-shirts. Yeah. Those are $10 each. And, uh, Tech tees. and then I bought a ring jacket, what kind of thing? It's like an anorak that looks like a garbage bag almost. And that was 15 euro. Okay. And I think that's everything I bought. Oh, and I bought like a, a little camp towel um, and some socks. Like 67 euro altogether for Yeah, maybe for like 150, stuff? maybe total, like including all the bike stuff. Cause those pedals are like 50 something dollars, but it was less yeah. than maybe like 250 euro, less than 300 euro, but for like everything. And then. Uh, so at this point though. Like, okay, so if it was me, if I was in your spot, like, I can be knocked off my game, as you know, pretty fucking yeah. easy. Like, anything happens, I'm like, oh, I'm out. 
but you're not like that. You're pretty, you're pretty stoic. You're, you're pretty solid about this stuff. So what was your mental state at this point? I was just kind of going, not as a joke, but kind of like, I can do this. Like, it's going to be goofy, but like, I've got a bike I can ride and I think these pedals will be fine. And like, whatever. I had my helmet, luckily, like my helmet, I brought that specialized full face helmet. Um, yeah. And then, so I had my helmet and goggles and my carry on. Cause I don't like putting my helmet goggles. anywhere else. Kaz, you're in helmet. Europe. You wear sunglasses. I did that too. Oh, I bought sunglasses. <laughs> I found some Quechua sunglasses. They're made in Italy. And they're only 25 euros from the Catholic. Authentic. Yeah. <laughs> so luckily I had those because I'll go blind without sunglasses. It was so bright. Some yeah. days there's this yeah. road called the Salt Road we went up that's like bright white. And if I didn't have sunglasses, I would be, I'd be blind, I'm sure. So yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I was kind of going into it. Now at this point, I'm like, I'll be fine. Like it'll be entertaining. There's people here. It's not like it's a fully self-supported thing where you have no they don't just like drop you off and leave you for a week. You know, like there's a rest stop halfway through the day and, and you go to camp that has some amenities. So I was like, all right, I'll be okay. And I bought some, oh, and then the last thing I bought was some toothpaste and a toothbrush, which that was good too. Cause I have nothing like zero things. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. You're free, so, Kaz. You're just a vagabond. Just a vagabond. The world. Yeah, just me and my <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and so then we hop in there and it, it was kind of interesting because like a couple of the other guys, like, uh, well, Chris Mandel from Rock Shocks was with me, and we were both kind of like took the same approach of just like buying some random stuff and be like, it'll be fine. But two of the other guys yeah. who were with us, they were taking it a little more seriously. Um, they were a little bit more worried, which I get because they they don't switch bikes as much as I do, and they don't. Yeah. So it was kind of like like uh, um, I could understand their stress level. I was like, yeah, that makes sense to be that stressed. I probably should be that stressed, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna. You don't. Do it you bike. don't. You're not like that. Yeah. Like, I've, I talked to some people who were there with you in preparation for this podcast, Kaz. I did some yeah. prep. Mm-hmm. And they said they were very impressed with your positive attitude, despite, you know, not having any of your gear, or even the bike that you flew with. Yeah. Just kind of, I don't know. It doesn't like I real. I think part of it is that I recognize like how lucky I am to even be there. So it's like, who cares? I'm just like, I'm so spoiled that I even get to participate in this event. So the yeah. like, I'm not going to whine that I don't have like my favorite fancy raincoat, you know? even though I did want my fancy, fancy raincoat when it was hailing, it hailed like hailstones the size of marbles. Yeah. And I was we'll like, we'll get there. Yeah. Like that would have been nice we're, to we're have. We'll get there. <laughs> but, uh, so I wasn't going to whine. You know, I was like, I'm still here. It's still like summertime over there. So I wasn't too concerned about conditions. I thought, you know, if, it'd be different if it was going to be like super cold and super raining, but I was like, I can deal with a lot of stuff. So, yeah. so yeah, with all that stuff kind of packed up in my little, uh, decathlon tote bag that i bought for one euro and then i was ready to go like like yeah because you're allowed to have two duffel bags and no so like most people have like two big duffel bags and then our stuff was like in little tiny duffel bags we didn't take up very much room kaz has got like a plastic garbage bag tied shut and then his decathlon <laughs> fabric bag and yeah pretty much on and the end of a stick over his shoulder with the yeah, hobo music playing <laughs> and then uh and then from there yeah then it was a four-hour shuttle ride up to uh up to the start of the race and then time to go okay so but before we get into that, uh, what was your demo bike that you got? Uh, it was a Santa Cruz Bronson. Bronson. Okay. Yeah. And what was the bike that you flew there with or Santa tried Cruz, to fly there with? Yeah. Santa Cruz Mega Tower. Okay. So yeah. a bit smaller than yeah. your So not the too bike big a deal. To. You know, I've ridden the Bronson yeah. before and yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, it'll be fine. And But I still didn't get the bike until that the day before the race, set it up. And so day one, stage one, that's my first ride on the bike. Yeah. Wait, before we get to that, uh, there was apparently a Camp Zero. So you get there. Can you describe what that was like? I imagine pretty communal, a bunch of people, everybody hanging out. Yep. You get there and like all, all the camps are set up. So there's, I think there's a total of about 77 participants, maybe 70 to 80. But then there's also... That's it? Yeah. It's, it, they wow. limit it. And they also kind of, it's like a, um, kind of like a, not an interview process, but there's an application process. They don't just let anybody in. You kind of have to have some experience because like, I mean, realistically, if a beginner tried to do this event, they either wouldn't make it through or they could potentially get hurt. Like you have to know what's going on. It's you're like, they're big days deep in the mountains and you can't have people yeah. that are gong shows out there. It just, it's a safety thing. So, yeah. Um, do you have a GPS signal thing on you for them to keep track of you or anything? You, or you don't have that. There? You don't have that, but you have a cell phone. Um, they, you, they want you to have your cell phone on you at all times. And there is decent cell reception and there's course marshals at the different um, stages. So they're, you're, you're yeah. never like super far from somebody that could call in but uh it's definitely it's remote so but anyways yeah. camp camp zero yeah there's just a bunch of tents set up in a kind of in the in the forest and then there's a big kind of center area where you can kind of do the orientation tell people what the week's going to be like and um so explain the basics and kind of goes from there yeah okay day one uh are you nervous uh not really like just 
Um, yeah, not too, not too nervous. Like I, I did Transprovence back in 2014, which was a while mm-hmm. ago, but it's still, I kind of had a basic idea. Um, for people that don't know, Ash Smith, he's the guy that ran Transprovence and Stone King Rally is his new thing. So mm-hmm. um, kind of similar, similar flavor. So I kind of knew what to expect. And the way it works is each night they give you the course route for the next day. So they give you like a little piece mm-hmm. of paper and then you can also download it on, there's some app called Kamut they were using. So um, just lets you kind of know what's in store. So you don't get to know what's happening until just before because um, it is blind racing. So it's 100% blind. 100% blind. Yeah, there's no way you could like check out the course or anything, but it just lets you kind of know like what you're going to get into the next day. But you don't know that until really a few hours, you know, just before you go to yeah. bed. Um, so the blind thing to for me... I feel like I, well, I mean, I take stupid chances sometimes. I feel like for me, that's the worst possible sort of setup because I, I end up just letting it roll a little too quick. And then next thing I know, I'd probably be blown off a cliff. For you, I feel like you're a much more consistent rider. Um, is the blind thing scary for you or I would imagine it suits you? No, yeah, I like it. It's it's cool. It can be frustrating sometimes because I'll see like you ride something. You're like, oh, I could have done that better. So I do like to have a pretty like... I like to be a good, consistent rider. And if I mess something up, I'm like, I would have gotten that right if I had one more chance. Or, you know, you, you take some corner one way and you're like, oh, the line was over here. Or you just So there, that part can be frustrating, but it's also cool because you realize everybody else is in the same boat. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, so you're like, well, everyone else is in the same thing. I just could step up my game. It definitely, like in my head, I was just tell myself to like keep your chin up and like keep your eyes up, which is a, that's like good advice for anything. But I think Adam Craig told me that years and years ago and it just sticks in my head. Just like you got to look down the trail and when you're blind racing, you have to look even further yeah. down just to like, if you can see as far as you can and just absorb as much information so you can just not crash basically. And the riding is amazing. And at times it's really weird. Um, there weren't as many super, super tight corners as I'd expected. Like there, there were definitely some, like I, there was, yeah, there's that, I think maybe three corners that I had to, that I just got off and like walked because I couldn't get my bike around it in a quick <laughs> enough time. I was like, I could stop and like nose pivot and stuff or i could just like hop off get back on and probably go the same speed um yeah definitely plenty of tight turns but a lot of them it seemed like this year there you could like open them up a little more and make them pretty fun like it was it was cool riding yeah okay so you mentioned you've done the trans provence before this is from the same people ash Mm -hmm. smith um how do the races differ how are they how are they different? I mean, they're from the same people. It seems like kind of roughly the same format. Yep. But um, I'm getting a very different vibe from this than I did Transprovence. It, it's really pretty similar. This is just in a different zone. And he's kind of explored this area so that he's going to be able to have three different routes. For, so like the next three years, he has pretty much planned out in his brain. He's kind of like a, I was trying to think of different analogies to ex- describe him, but he's like, it's almost like Willy Wonka, like Willy Wonka chocolate <laughs> factory. He's like, there's like that little kind of like subtle evilness to Willy Wonka sort of. It's like that yeah, darkness, yeah. but then he's also like giving you all this candy. Um, so it's kind of like that. So he's got some crazy roots planned. So this was the first year that kind of goes down the middle of what he's got envisioned. And then next year, I think there might be one to the the east of this. And then in the next year after that, be the one to the west. So he's all about just fresh trails and new zones. So it doesn't get repetitive. Um, and he wants yeah. to bring back bring old trails back to life. So a lot of these trails weren't necessarily new, but they haven't been ridden in years. They're kind of like either just get overgrown for lack of use. Cause a lot of these areas are pretty remote. Um, so he, so he kind of like, you know, they did some brush cutting and cleaning some stuff up and bring these trails back into service. And then after bringing all these people through there, they should be definitely more rideable than they used to be. Yeah. I imagine the logistics for an event like this, like, I, I can barely get both my shoes on in the morning, but in the logistics for this sort of oh. organizing this sort of event, it must be insane. I can't even yeah. imagine like just trying to, yeah, we were all talking about that. Like it's incredible that they're able to pull this off because each day you have, you know, like you were saying those numbers. So there's obviously more descending than uh, climbing each day. That means there's some shuttles involved. So a lot of times some of the days would start with a bigger shuttle and then you yeah. know, you're riding downhill and then, then you climb the rest of the ways or other times there'd be two or even three other shuttles during the course of the day. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of like moving people around and just trying to get, you know, food going and tents set up yeah. and moving camp and stuff. So lots and lots of logistics. It's it's super impressive that the way that it ran from the way I could see, it, it seemed like it went really smoothly. Yeah. It also looks like he he definitely wanted you guys to end up in some interesting places. Like this isn't this isn't just about the riding, it looks to me like he's also built in some sort of like historical context and you're going to interesting places and talking to interesting people. What did you make of that? Yeah. It's just like you, it's, it was just cool. Cause it does give it that adventure feel, you know, like you descend down into these little, 
little villages, little towns. Like one of them, we finished this partway through the day, we rolled into this town and he'd arranged to have the, or, the, or the, maybe the town people asked if they could do this, but they're playing accordions for us. Like they were serenading us with accordions and they had like little snacks and things set out and their townspeople were like super happy to see us roll through. And there's like, it was so nice. Like it was just, yeah. I mean, that felt, you know, that felt really authentic and really just a neat way to kind of enjoy the people, like show them that we appreciate their town. And that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, both of us like history and old shit. So it's got to be yeah. cool to be rolling into those old villages. And I mean, it's sometimes I imagine you're on trails that are like pounded down by cattle and 1200 you oh, know, yeah. what, you know yeah like lots of old cobblestone kind of pieces of single, single track but it's like cobblestone so you know at some point it was for you know moving cattle or people or whatever one of the days stages it finished this one day we finished in a like it was a uh, a fort but you finish between the two fort walls like the inner wall and the outer wall and they they oh, wow. taped out these grass turns so you you drop in and there's nobody around because you can't see anything because there's no windows or, at all just like doing this big open grass thing with walls on each yeah. side and just going super fast. It's like hard to describe, but I like, I shouted out loud. Like, you know me, I don't say anything when I ride, yeah. but I just like who didn't holler. Cause it was so amazing to be like going downhill with like four walls on each side of you. It was like, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to get into the trails and how your race went. But before we do that, since you've done the trans Provence previously, I imagine you had a, I mean, this is a different zone, different trails, um, but you had an idea of what the trails might be like. So your personal bike that you eventually did end up getting, that Mega Tower, what did you do setup wise? Did you change anything, you know, for weird switchbacks or I don't know? Yeah, I didn't change a ton. That bike's it's kind of pretty neutral geometry, at least for me. Like it's not a super long bike. Um it is it's slack, but not crazy slack. I did um I kept those um continental downhill tires that we used for it's the same bike that we had in a recent field test. Yeah. And had those content, new continental downhill tires and I was impressed with them. So I kept them on. I just wanted to see how they do in the kind of dryer. Reliable? Yeah. No flats at all. Like zero flats. Um, and the rubber's looking pretty good considering how many like super, you know, sharp rough rocks they went over. So, um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still continuing to be impressed with them as the cryptotal front and then the cryptotal rear. So yeah. yeah, that's pretty much all. I mean, so really those were already on there. So I didn't have to do that. Um, I did put a longer travel dropper post on there because that bike comes with a 175 mil post. I put a post that I'm currently testing that's not out yet with 200 mils of uh, travel. What kind of post? Just tell us. It's a secret. I can't tell you. It comes out <laughs> at the end of summer, but it worked. So that's good. <laughs> um, okay. Good news. Yeah. yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, like I already had 200 mil rotors on there. So really that's what you What kind you of want. brakes are you uh, using? Those are code RSCs. Yeah. Enough and, brake? And, that was steep enough sense. Yep. Steep. I could have, you could have probably used a 220, but I was fine with 200, but I don't think a 220 would have been out of place. Um, just because some days you're tired. It's just kind of nice to be able to like relax your hands, but those worked yeah. fine for me. Um, uh, that bike had a, it's got an access rear derailleur on it. So I think I changed the battery once. So that was pretty good. I know you're not a huge access fan. I'm not. I, I mean, it works okay, but yeah. I, mean, I like the way that it works personally, personally, but you're, you're not, you would prefer a cable. Uh, you spend a week racing it. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was good. I mean, it is not, you know, like to be fair, that battery does last a long time and the spares are easy to carry. So it wasn't a big inconvenience and I wasn't too worried about like running out of battery or anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that worked well. Like overall the bike was like, yeah, it's pretty, once it showed up, so it did show up on the third day. So the first two days I raced on that Bronson. Can, the, I want to talk about that Bronson here for a second. Yeah. <laughs> platform pedals. I yeah. think those were plastic platform pedals. Can you, how was your experience on this bike for the first two days? Yeah. And I should say that those plastic platform pedals, I used them for the entire time because oh. my shoes never showed up. Oh, so shit. like my, when my bike finally did show up, it had the clipless pedals that I wanted. I still had no clipless shoes. Yeah. So okay. I, I was, so yeah. So I used flat pedals for the whole time and uh, it was kind of horrible because Sorry, Crank Brothers, but your stamp plastic pedals, they're garbage. Like they, <laughs> like they just the middle part, they're, they're another pedal that's convex, which is the dumbest design for a pedal. I don't care if people defend them. Convex is not how a pedal should be. Like the middle should be concave. It should have a depression yeah. in the center so your foot can sit into it. Um, and so these are convex and they're plastic, which kind of exacerbates things because you're just resting on the middle slippery plastic part. And then the fact that the shoes I had were kind of a more casual 510. They're not the stickiest ones. Like they're You're doing they're lots of one footers out there. Yeah. Like I would do these kind of like weird seat bounces. Like I'd come into a corner, my feet would start to slip and I would like kind of sit down, lift my feet up and put them back in and like 
yeah, so that was that was frustrating. I think that that was just I tried to push that aside because it's another thing. Like, what can you do? Like, these are the pedals yeah. I'm using. But um, I had been cl- I had been planning to clip in just because the while the terrain is rough, and I find that in rougher terrain, it's a little easier just to like not pay attention to your feet if you're if you're clipped in. Like, I can ride yeah. flat pedals really comfortably. Um, I could probably spend. I'm probably like 40, 60, so 40% flat pedals and 60% clips these days. But mm-hmm. um, these flat pedals were particularly annoying. Okay. Well, yeah. let's let's talk about your racing. Day one, you're dropping in. How, how did that go for you? What was the trails like? How did it go? Yeah, first trail kind of drops in off this ridge. Super scenic. I mean, it's probably one. Of, I mean, all the days were, the scenery's insane there. Like, there's just mountains as far as you can see. And it's just like, yeah, it's like hard to describe. It doesn't even seem real. Like, you take a picture with your phone. And you're like, oh, that's like the best picture I've ever taken. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Like, it's hard yeah. to take bad pictures. Um, uh, but yeah, so it drops in. It's like on this ridge. So a little bit of exposure. I'm definitely feeling a little rusty because it's obviously, I've never ridden this bike before ever. So, yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I have ridden the, the A Bronson in the past, so I knew what to, what to expect. Um, and then, yeah, it drops in this ridge and it's kind of gets steep. And then there were some like really nice turns that weren't like the European turns I'd kind of expected, just some kind of like fresher turns, a little bit of support you could kind of push in. So it was a really cool way to start off. It's like, oh, this is going to be good. Like this is a, this is a mountain bike trail. It's got the raw flavor, but then also like um, yeah. some different stuff. How, how hard are you pushing in a blind race like this, Kaz? You don't know what's coming. You don't want to get a flat tire. It's Europe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think like eighty percent probably. I think that the the faster guys are definitely doing more than that. But like you're saying, it's Europe, it's blind racing. I know that I'm not going to win. Like I also know I have some things like like those weird flat pedals and stuff. So I don't want to like go crazy, and and I also don't want to crash on the first, the very first stage of the first day. So I'm kind of easing into it a bit, just kind of like figuring everything out. Um, yeah. And then yeah, so I just kind of did that, and then so there's about four stages every day. So you know, you finish. Oh, wait, the wait, wait four stages every day like four yeah. separate timed things so it's not uh-huh. one stage per day right yeah four stages every day usually the stage length depends i'd say they're between like seven to ten minutes each stage okay uh, so some pretty climbing long. on the stages as well or all the some seven? of them yeah uh, some have some climbs especially ash is kind of tricky like you get this little root card each day like it explains like what it'll be like is a little thing like this it's like a i'm holding yeah. it up but it looks like a postcard and just kind of tells what's happening um Ash is pretty good about forgetting to mention if there's climbs in this stage. <laughs> so you're like, you're just going along. I like him. Yeah, he's he's good and sneaky like that. And you're like, they'll say like a great downhill flow, like look out for tricky whatever. And you're like, all right, cool. But then there'll just be this like, like annoying climb in there that you got to do. But it's good. It's that's how enduro should be. Like there should be climbs in enduro. It's not just downhill racing. Um, yeah. But yeah. After so the first day. After the first day, Kaz, were you? shell-shocked were you like i could do this were you like that was more than i expected what what were you thinking uh no i was good like i thought like yeah i could do this because it was kind of it felt like i was getting back into it like i knew how it was going to be um and then I'm trying to remember which day we had the, the thunderstorm that might have yeah been. i heard i heard there was a lot of hail there i also heard so you didn't dry your clothes out well enough somebody told me that no i didn't i couldn't because <laughs> there was nowhere to dry it because it was raining <laughs> Yeah, the first or second day, it's all like blurry now. I'm still like trying to sort it out in my brain. But yeah, so towards the end of the day, that just started hailing. We're at the border of, we got, see the shuttle took us close to the border of France and Italy. And as we get to the top, like the thunderstorms just start, you know, skies open up, there's thunder and hail and it just starts hailing so hard. So we just start bombing down the road to get to try to get to the next camp. And it just starts hailing harder and harder. And it's like hurting, like super painful hail. And it makes it feel like you have a flat tire because the hail was starting to accumulate on the road. And so I kept yeah. being like, do I have a flat? And I didn't, but it was just like was super weird. So we got partway down the road and found a little, uh, like a covered uh, garbage can area where people put out their garbage. So we just went, all of us were like under this covered dumpster area while it's hailing super hard. And like I said, there were, yeah, probably yeah, marble size hail. And like yeah. later, that, later that night when I took a shower, I just had welts on me from the hail. <laughs> I was at a press camp many years ago in italy we were in the dolomites and the hail came down and i don't know there was like 30 of us out there and i remember people literally like hiding under rocks and there was a big tunnels through mountains where the i guess these were like old uh roads from world war one or world war two and people were like congregating in the tunnels hiding from this hail because yeah it was so big and coming down so hard it was literally hurting people yeah. People had like red welts and shit all over them. Mountains yeah. are no joke, Kaz. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. And it accumulated. Like by the time we kind of like 
the next crew behind us ended up getting driven down the road because by the time they got to the top, there's probably like an inch and a half of hail had accumulated. Like it was crazy. Wow. Um, so then after that, we like were super wet, got back to camp. Like they had ended, they canceled one the last stage of the day just because of that storm. You couldn't have raced because it was just so nasty out. Um, so we went back to camp, took showers, but there wasn't really a shower. It was kind of like this re- weird trickle of water and everything's soaking wet. So then we all just ended up crammed into this little like a, uh, this bar in this town, this little tiny bar. And we're all just like in there trying to warm to dry stuff out. There's like a fire going, a fireplace and people are hanging stuff. And then a lady would keep coming back. Like, no, no, no. Cause everyone's putting their stuff too close. And she thought it was going to catch on fire, but we were trying to show her like the shoes had like four inches of water in them. Like there's no way they could have caught on fire. Like you couldn't. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but so yeah, I need to say none of my stuff really dried out. What, what were the transfers? Like, are you riding? Like, is this an entire, I know you're doing some shuttles to the top of mountains, but are you uh, sort of like riding from stage to stage? Are they busing you? What is that like? Yeah, it just kind of depends. Like some of the days would start with the you know the shuttle first, then you would do maybe two stages, and then you would meet the shuttle again. And it would take you somewhere else. Um, but there's usually a di- you know some pedaling between the stages. Sometimes there's like I said, there's hike bikes. There'd be like a couple hours. It'd take you you know from the end of one stage it might take you a couple hours of hike a bike to another one. Or wow. in, yeah, or another time it just might be a chill like downhill pedal so just really varied um but big days no matter what like usually yeah. usually breakfast would be at like 6 30 you'd be like rolling out of camp by seven sometimes and you get back into camp around like six or seven like you know there's shuttles and stuff built in there but like you're doing bike related stuff for like 12 hours each day pretty much how how was your how i know you're a positive guy kaz how is your mental state throughout the week like not everything is gonna go great like i mean I know you didn't get your stuff, but like you're an hour and a half into pushing your bike up this freaking scree slope. Were you ever like, Jesus, what the fuck? Yeah, for sure. On day three, I think it was, it was like a Wednesday. I woke up and I had a pretty long shuttle to start the day. And during the shuttle, I just started getting like, I felt kind of car sick. I just, mm-hmm. And sometimes I do get car sick and these are big vans, you know, and I try to sit towards the front, but sometimes it doesn't work. So I just felt like a little nauseous. And I was like, ah, whatever, like get that kind of like, like I might puke, but I'll be okay. So um, so we get out and kind of start the day and it just never, I didn't really ever shake that feeling that day. So I felt like pretty out of it. Um, and that was a hard day. Cause that was the day with the biggest hike a bike. And I just like had no energy. Like I would just be pushing and pushing and people are passing me. And I'm like, I don't care. Like I'm going to finish. So I was never like, Oh, I'm going to quit. Like that doesn't, it wasn't yeah. that bad, but it was still like, this sucks to feel like this drain and that I just can't like get the energy. And then like, eventually I puked a little bit and that helps for the end of the day. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, cause that helps sometimes if you feel like you're going to puke and then you just puke. This again, <laughs> Kaz, where were we? We were somewhere and like you weren't feeling well. Nobody knew and you barfed and nobody knew. And then like later on that night, you were like, yeah, I puked on the trail. Yeah, like just, <laughs> like if I puke on the trail, it's like I'm done. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to like keep going. So yeah, so I puked before the last stage and that, that made me feel a little bit better. Um, so that day was the hardest though because that was I was I just feeling out of it. I don't know what that was. It could have been we did drink some like creek water that looked pretty clean, like way up high, but that could have been it. There's also a lot of cow shit out there, so like that could cause stuff. And there's so many people, yeah. like there's lots of things that can give you like a little upset stomach or give you some nausea. So um, yeah, that was the hardest day, I def- and I felt better for the rest of the days, which is good. So, but that was the hardest one for sure. Yeah. What What was your favorite section of trail? Where was it? Can you describe it to us? There's one section that it's hard to describe in words how good it was, but just some of the woods, like this really tight, dark That's woods. That's your job, Kaz. I know, but it's like there's dirt <laughs> and then it went left and it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, there's this one. Uh, actually, no, I got it. This one This one section was pretty open. Like it was in the, it was rock, towards the end of the, I guess we were probably in Italy, but it was a more rockier stage and it just had these pretty tight turns, but you yeah. could open them up by almost wall riding the rocks. So like the way that the trail was, you know, it's kind of like a, loose rocky single track and then but it was supported by bigger rocks next to it so if, instead of getting all jammed up in these tight turns you could kind of go a little wider and just wall ride on the rock and it was super fun to ride mm-hmm. just because it was um yeah just like every turn was like that i was like oh it's working i can do it and just kind of really fun um you can kind of keep your speed and it was like the loose rocks were they weren't so loose that you were sliding everywhere but you could kind of get a little bit drifty and get it back in control so it, was, it was really neat yeah i imagine the terrain varied widely considering mm. how much distance you guys covered eh? yeah there's everything from like really soft i wouldn't call it loamy but just kind of like soft forest soil to really rocky sharp and more mm-hmm. like kind of more deserty stuff especially as you got down towards the end in italy like the last day was last day was super hot um super dry kind of dusty and that's kind of um 
that's where it finished, but it starts up, like I said, yeah, like higher kind of more Alpine style, um, Alpine style trails. So if this was me, Kaz, I would probably have two to three cat crashes every time stage, but this is you. Mm-hmm. I bet you didn't have any crashes. Uh, I had like two ish, but not really. Like I, I'd say I was pretty proud that I held it together as much as I did. I'd expect that, you know, with that many, I mean, you have 24 stages or something. Like I kind of predicted at least having a crash or two, but I really had some, I had like a slide out. I had one where it was just like this kind of steeper, steeper, looser dirt track. And you could kind of, you could see where people had gone ahead of you just because of how dark the dirt was. So, you know, my eyes just kind of attracted to that. And there's this left turn. I'm just following this dark path. And it just kind of goes like off the trail. And, and the trail went <laughs> That's left. Where everybody it, else went too. <laughs> exactly. Like I definitely wasn't the first. The trail went left. I went right. And I was just kind of like ended up on my side, just sliding a little bit, but that wasn't too big a deal. Um, and then another time I kind of like really jammed up a steep, uh, a tight right turn. I just kind of like almost high sided and like almost went over the other side of the berm. So I just kind of like straddled my bike and like dead stop. But um, yeah. nothing like catastrophic. There were moments I was like, oh shit, I might crash because there's some, you know, one day it was really wet and it's kind of like you came around this corner and there's a, a log that was only sticking a few inches out of the ground that was on a perfect off camber. And if I'd hit it any different, it would have put me to the ground so fast. But luckily I, I somehow like levitated or did something magic. I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, I don't know how I avoided crashing, but, um, but yeah, overall I, I held it together. And I would say, you know, for people wondering about the actual like technical difficulty of the trails, they're, they're definitely hard. Like I would say that they're like black diamond to like, dark blue trails, you know, at a bike yeah. park. They're not like... Were there, sorry, were there things that you would ride uh, only usually like after looking at it? Like something that if you if it wasn't a race situation, you would be like, oh, I'm going to look at this or look at that. Was was there some of that? Not really. Like most stuff was pretty... Because it's they're more... They're mostly natural trails. So it's not like there's any big jumps or anything that you need to really check out. We did go through like what they call the bike park, which is pretty funny because they're like, it's going to be a bike park. I'm like, oh, cool. I can ride bike parks. And the first thing is just like super narrow shoot with a right-hand turn. That's like a berm, but the berm's only like three logs stacked high. <laughs> like, it's like, that's not really a bike park. And it's then there's some like, bike park. yeah. And then there's some like kind of like sketchy jumps. There's like little Italian kids cheering at us. So like, I mean, maybe I would have looked at that, but you could kind of see the landing. So yeah, overall, I wouldn't say there was anything that like I would look at beforehand. It was all very rideable blind, but to go fast was the tricky thing. You know, like it's all because the, the techie stuff would be like rock, technical rock stuff. So if you get into it, you can be like, okay, you'd be able to stop probably before anything too bad yeah. happened. And in the course description, they would usually give a warning if there's like a weird, if something weird in it, you know, like a creek crossing that you might have to run up or something. We ran a photo epic a few days ago and it looked like there was a lot of exposure, Kaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was there? There was. Yeah. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> exposure doesn't really bother me, but there were definitely some other people that were, that were riding with it like later in the day that would be like, whoa, that exposure screwed me up. I couldn't do it. So it was, um, yeah, it's kind of tricky. There's one stage I'd say like at a, I think we ended up doing 23 stages because there's one that got cut short. Either way, out of like 20 something stages, I think there's one stage that I didn't like and didn't really think fit. And it wasn't necessarily because the exposure, but it was because it was a basically like a side hill through a cow field and kind of steep. And it was just the fact that like, it, you just kind of like, you're just side hilling and going down. And there was, if you caught a pedal or something, you just gotten tossed for no, it wasn't that fun for me. Some people probably yeah. liked it. So that was the only one that was like, ah, that was kind of like, it seemed kind of contrived because we like climbed up kind of high to get to it. And then you just kind of like bombing down a side hill cow field thing. But really all the other ones were like excellent, excellent trails yeah. and like interesting and different. Um, so different from, i think i like it because it's so different from what i ride here in bellingham like here in bellingham everything's made for mountain bikes and it's it's great that's why i live here but it's also i mean really kind of easy compared to this stuff because this is like just a weird raw and unexpected yeah like you don't know what's going to happen and just different kinds of you know trying to figure out what the dirt's going to feel like or what that rock's going to do or where the turn's going to be is, is pretty fun yeah was the course taped was there any route finding for you did you get lost um yeah i missed a turn once not for very long there it's it's not taped like if you saw pictures of the Tweed Valley EWS, it looked like they used all the tape in the world. It's not yeah. like that. Like it's okay. pretty minimally. They do just the bare amount of like of marking to make it safe for people um, and not go overboard. Um, but you you do have to like keep your eyes up and see because it's easy to blow past. They're just a little arrow um, that tells you which way to go. So um, I didn't really miss anything too bad. Some of the transfers could get tricky. Like you're going down these roads to get to the next stage, and then sometimes there'd be a little turn off that you might miss. Um, but you, if you had the yeah. 
that app you could look on your phone and kind of figure it out or just follow somebody that has the the big watch just follow the person the biggest watch and they might lead you to the right place <laughs> that was our tactic <laughs> follow the person with the ipad on uh, their handlebar yeah exactly <laughs> they probably know what's happening so it can be tricky but it's not too hard there's not a lot it's not like you need like a map and compass out there and like that kind of navigating but you do have to it's not like you do have to pay attention you can't just zone out yeah yeah did you like it better did you like it more than the trans provence um it felt so similar. I like this one more. I think the trails, I found these trails to be better than the Transfervance one I remember, but they both had great trails. But the Transfervance that I did, at least the year that I did, it just had, it felt like it had a few more, the kind of typical, really tight, awkward switchbacks. Um, and just not, they yeah. weren't, didn't quite feel as mountain bike oriented where this one was like pretty cool. It's still raw and still just definitely on some hiking trails and things, but it had some more really cool mountain bike trails. Yeah. How many cigarettes did you smoke when you were over there? I know you smoked one, Kaz, because it's a one. picture of you in short shorts smoking. <laughs> I didn't really smoke it. I didn't smoke it that much. But <laughs> we had to do that because we were in Europe and we we're wearing our short shorts and we had sunglasses on with our full face helmets. And we came to this town and there was a girl there yeah. smoking a cigarette. And we thought that that would help give us better performance for the next stage. I don't think it worked. <laughs> Did it? It didn't change my okay, results. No, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should mention um, that I didn't wear that the- you've done this. I was going to talk about the short shorts because I didn't wear them for the the whole thing because I was able to borrow uh, borrow some knee pads from Alex Rafferty and I borrowed a back protector because the Italian Racing Federation requires you to wear a back protector and so since most of the oh. stages were were in Italy you had to wear a back protector they also require a full face too uh, which is good I mean full face for this race makes sense like there's plenty of stuff you wouldn't want to crash on um, back yeah. protector uh, they get kind of hot so it's personal preference but it's a rule so. Um, my plan had been, I had this POC, like POC makes a vest style backpack with a back protector built in. And that's what I mm-hmm. packed. I was excited to try it out, but it never showed up, obviously. So I did, I did have to borrow some stuff and I did borrow some shorts eventually because the short shorts, as great as they looked, they like weren't super comfy because they were so short. They like cut off a little bit of circulation. So. Dude, <laughs> some of those photos, I can, I'm not surprised if I saw your trouser snake, <laughs> those things yeah. are way too short. <laughs> They're so short. So eventually I borrowed some shorts. Um, and then use the same pair of shorts for however many, six, five days or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. and yeah, we could talk about how rotten my gear got and stuff too. But Yeah. No, I'm sure it got absolutely gross. I have a question for you about protective gear though, because I see you wearing knee pads, but you generally don't wear much more than that as far as I can tell when you just do a normal mountain bike rides. No. Um, if you were to do this event next year, would you bring more protection? Like, is this something that you would wear knee pads and, you know, elbow stuff or shin guards or like maybe even some shorts with some pads in the side? I don't know. What would no, you wear? I'd kind of stick with my normal. I mean, it's all personal preference. Like I would never tell anybody what to wear for, for padding that they want, but they are, the days are long and you are pedaling a lot. So you kind of need to factor that in. Um, so that's why, that's why I had planned to wear that back protector backpack, just because that way I would have been able to take it off more easily and like get some air flowing. Cause wearing the, the back protector that I ended up borrowing was one just kind of like those, almost like a vest style. They just really yeah. don't take off during the day. So it just gets kind of hot. So it's uh, it's kind of balanced between figuring out how to stay cool and able to pedal and have some protection. So I think just normal like burlier trail style knee pads are good and a full face helmet and then, a, you know, whatever back protector suits your needs. But um, yeah. And yeah, I used that specialized full face helmet. That was the most time that I'd spent on it. Their new lightweight trail one. And I was happy with that. Worked really well. Pretty airy. Yeah, real area. It's got a good, like, uh, the mouth port doesn't have any mesh or anything. So you can, like, spit through you, it or smoke cigarettes through s- it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my voice is like this. Just been smoking cigarettes in Europe the whole week. <laughs> no, not really. Um, um, what what would you do different now that you're back? You're going next uh, year. What would you change besides getting your gear there? Yeah, getting my gear there would be sweet. Because, like, when we did – so we finally got our gear on – well, when we got back, like, the last, the last day before flying home, we went to the airport – and they let us in and we found our gear and somehow it was just like in a pile that they didn't even ask us about. And we just took it and left. Like, huh. it was really not organized. But so I got my gear on the day before flying home. And I, as I was like unpacking it to find some toiletries, because I didn't use any soap or deodorant or anything for the whole race, you know. So I was like, oh, real smelly. hippie Kaz, I like it. <laughs> well, I didn't buy any because I thought my gear would show up. I had toothpaste. Mandel didn't even have toothpaste until like the fourth day or something but <laughs> i don't know what he was doing <laughs> but like Amazing. yeah i was just yeah, i was just going in the rivers every night and just like washing in the river and trying to like wash my clothes but then they would never dry because it would get kind of dewy at night so you get you'd roll in the camp so late 
not that, not that late, but you know, it's like five or six and there's not that much sun. And so the sun would kind of drop behind the horizon. It would start cooling down. And then if you kept your stuff out, it would just get wet again because the dew, the condensation at night. <sighs> um, so it never really dried that well, but, um, I don't know where I was going How, with wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. What was that like next morning you're putting on your wet short shorts and your wet tech tee? Oh, yeah. Like, it was so wet. Like, especially <laughs> after, after the day that it rained. Like, my stuff was not even dry, like, at all. I put newspaper in my shoes and stuff to try to dry them out. And then, like, that was a night that it was really cold. So, I was, like, shivering in my sleeping bag. And then, I like, would have died. <laughs> and then I woke up the next day. I was like, here we go. And you just pull everything wet on. Like, hopefully this dries out. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's oh, other people just Lord. like putting on brand new outfits and they have new kits and stuff i'm like i have my one thing and then yeah, yeah. um i think i'm going to do some sort of i'll write some sort of article about like what worked and what didn't type of a gear roundup so people can see some of the stuff that that actually like the little the camelback that i bought from decathlon actually wasn't too bad and like some of the stuff was okay but you should some. write a review of the of the clothing did you bring the clothing home yeah yeah i have some of it oh you should write a review yeah. get some photos taken yeah of all this decathlon clothing and stuff. Yeah. I think I threw away my towel and the socks because they just got like mildewy and I kept washing them and trying to dry them and they just never really work. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, what what kind of person should consider doing this event, Kaz? Would I like it? Should I go try it? I think you would like it. It definitely, it's not for everybody. Like I started out this whole thing by saying a lot of people wouldn't like this race. It's not just for your, it's an enduro race, but it's like, it's more than that. Like, in enduro race the focus is on the downhill and that's that is how this is obviously like the time stages are downhill but the amount of effort that it takes to get through the day and to kind of hold yourself together for a whole week um you really just kind of have to sort of like the challenge and a little bit of the suffering um, you need to be in decent shape and you just kind of have to be able to like keep on moving because that's the days are long and if you don't keep moving you just won't make it to the end like it's that's kind of how it works i imagine some people didn't make it to the end i mean this sounds like a a taxing event, both physically and technically and organizationally as well. Yeah. There are a few DNFs. I mean, even some like you know, some of the pros, I know like um, Mark Scott, he broke his ribs on one of the days, but, oh, no. but then he kept going that day. Like he had broke his ribs or at least he thought he did. It seemed like he probably did, but then he still finished this huge hike bike in the stage after. And we're like, <laughs> still dude, smoked how, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, Jesus, how are you? He's like, I was super impressive, but like some people got hurt. Um, but, uh, yeah, but overall, I would say that the people that did show up and did participate was like, I was so impressed by everybody. Like, there's, like, you know me, I'm, I'm pretty much an introvert. I'm not always yeah. that into hanging out with people. I'm not super good at socializing. Like, I like people in doses, but sometimes it's just hard. But like, I I think I liked every single person that I met at Stone King. Like, it was really cool. Like, all the people well, are really helps. amazing. Yeah, and it's not just like a bro fest. Like, um, I know Brian was talking to me the other day and he was trying to make it seem like I just got back from some like bro down in the house, but it's not like that. Like these are just like really good. Everybody people. out there with their flat brims and their red and black yeah. flannel. <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's like good, good men and women and like super solid humans. And it was really cool. And some of the people yeah. actually had been on the transfer when I did it back in 2014 and just like reconnecting with them. They were like, they're back. And it was like, it was just like, Oh cool. Like you're here again. That's great to see you. So it was, uh, yeah, all the people were really cool and it was super impressive. Like how, how positive everybody remained. Like I didn't see, like we would all whine sometimes, not whine, but you know, you kind of complain, like, oh, look at, we're going to go up that. I don't now. think like, you complained at all, Kaz. I know you, I don't think you did. <laughs> well, you like, you're hiking for a while and you turn the corner and you're like, oh, I bet we got to go to the top of that mountain, like half joking. Yeah. And then you're like, oh no, we actually have to go to the top of that mountain. Like, <laughs> <Shit>. of course. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, but overall, like the whole, like the whole vibe of it is very like, just it's it's just cool it's like a, a good big yeah. adventure and it's not there's no like showmanship like there's no room for somebody to be like i'm the best enduroist ever and like it doesn't even matter you'll just crash it, it doesn't like <laughs> yeah, there's no room yeah. to show off and even the dude that won uh romaine paulette i'd never met him before but that guy was amazing like super calm like super fast french guy and um yeah just like very pro and very chill it was cool having done some stage races in the past i've always found that those people like day one or day zero, like they're all strangers. You're all kind of standing there silently to begin with. And then day one, day two, day three. And like by day three, you've seen everybody, you've talked to everybody. Like that person saw you barfing on the side of the trail or that person saw you flip over the handlebars or, you know, you lent a pump to that person and you're all sitting around eating dinner. And like, I don't know, it's like, it is an interesting sort of bonding thing, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Like it breaks down egos because you, you all went through the same thing and there's not like a, there's just no room to like posture or flex or like, 
you know, you can't brag about what are you going to brag about? You know, like unless you actually won, <laughs> I unless survived. you won the whole day, like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no really room for like reflecting, which is cool. I think that's yeah. what I like about it. Well, Kaz, speaking of flexing, uh, what was your result? What did you place? I think I got 30th. Out of 30? Uh, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it was like 77, maybe 78. And there was oh, more nice people. work. Yeah. You were in open class too. Like it's all one That's class. Not everybody. Yeah. If you put, I was like 10th place in the 40 to 40 year old division, like four, okay. 40 and over. But yeah, I, would, I was a little disappointed in my result, but like I wanted to do better, but I can blame the flat pals a little bit, I think, if I needed yeah. to find an excuse. Also, like it's blind racing, and I feel like there is that line that's hard to find where you don't want to cross the line because you don't want to cartwheel down like the Alps. Yeah. But at the same time, you you do have to take some chances to be able to place well, you know. But you also don't want to be the guy who blows up. Exactly. So yeah. it it is that fine balance. Yeah, but I was I was happy with how it all worked out, and I like like my overall riding felt pretty solid. Like I felt good. Like. I felt like I hit a pretty good groove. So yeah, I was, I was stoked with that. And it's, it's not about the result, but I'm just glad I didn't place dead last, which is always sweet. So where did yeah. Chris place? Uh, I think he was like 25th or so. He did, Mandel did beat me. I know he got, it's five he got 24th. You. He got 24th. He's six, six ahead. Places. I know. I know. I got to train. <laughs> More training. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> he had the, uh, Chris, yeah, Chris had the same shirt for the entire time. He brought this like wool shirt that he got from Howie's like 10 years ago. And you oh, can just gosh. see where he was because he's like eight feet tall. And then you would see him wearing his yellow shirt just everywhere. Like, it was so good. <laughs> so we definitely were like, like on, up there. yeah, somebody called him Taurus Chris. That's what they called him. <laughs> Yeah, we're oh, definitely on a weird European vacation. <laughs> uh, okay, so before we wrap this up, uh, you're back. How's the body? How was your body after the race? Were you destroyed? Are you taking a few days off? Or are you just like going for a four-hour ride today like I expect uh-huh. you are? Well, I'm going to ride today, but I caught COVID. So, um, oh, shit. <laughs> but I've figured out that COVID makes you not notice jet lag. Oh, neat. Yeah. I haven't really noticed any jet lag. I've just had COVID the last four days. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's the trick. Yeah. <laughs> Hot tip. You didn't, you weren't, you weren't racing with COVID though. You caught it on the way home. I think so. I mean, I maybe I got yeah. it towards the end of the race. There's, there's definitely plenty of like places you could catch COVID these days. And yeah, the fact yeah. that I didn't have any soap in my kit and that my hygiene <laughs> might have slipped a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I think a lot of people did get COVID, unfortunately, from it. Just, it, I mean, it sucks that it's still floating around, but there's no way to. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a real way to avoid it these days if it's if it's around. But um, so yeah, I'm gonna ride today for the first time. But I don't think yeah, it didn't destroy my body like the actual days, like the, the output. Like I'll be a little tired, but nothing too bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, next year, Kaz, do you want to do it again? Sum up, sum up this event in a couple sentences for everybody. Yeah, definitely. A, it's like a bucket list kind of thing. I can see people doing it once and calling it good or trying to do it multiple times. Um, but if people are able to get into it and it's that type of thing that they want to try, like to really push yourselves in a new location, see some insane trails, um, try out blind racing. It's a it's a cool thing. Definitely not for everybody, but for the right people, it can definitely be like the kind of trip of a lifetime type of thing. All right. Should we both go next year? See who does better? We could do that. It might get dangerous. I know you I said don't. it's not about the results, but yeah, we can do Mike versus Mike. <laughs> I don't want to find out that you like fell off a cliff and fell like a thousand feet trying to keep up with me or something. I know that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. To you. I'd still be clipped in at the bottom. <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna be you. <laughs> ah, splat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is our wrap up from the Stone King Rally with Casimir. Put your questions down below this podcast on the pink bike homepage and maybe Kaz will get in there and answer them. And if you haven't seen that big photo epic, I'll also link to it in the podcast article. There's some incredible photography in there from the event. So definitely check that out and we'll see everybody next week. 